Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. We do thank you, we do praise you that you're an awesome God. We thank you for the things that you have done in our lives. And I pray, Father, we would listen to what your words are and we would walk in them, Father, to a high level of obedience. Uh, Father, it's so easy to slip, it's so easy to fall. As your kingdom, Father, the whole nation of Israel is going down and it's going down bad. I pray, Father, we learn our lessons not to be uh, uh, following in their footsteps. As we see Jeroboam here, Father, just destroying the kingdom and taking it away from you. I pray, Father, that uh, you would uh, uh, teach us these lessons, that we would draw closer to you every day, that we'd love you more today than we did than ever before. Uh, continue, Father, just to work in this church, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We, uh, we're in 1 Kings chapter 12, and we left off in chapter uh, verse 25. <clears throat> and we're seeing now that the country is being split. We talked about David being a great king. David left the kingdom to his son Solomon. Solomon became the wisest man in the world. And Solomon, with all of his wisdom, uh, took on a thousand wives. He multiplied everything. And with his riches, his grandeur, and his splendor, he brought in idolatry into the nation. And God was angry with Solomon and said, Solomon, because of your anger, I'm going to rip the kingdom out of your hands and rip it in half. And we saw, if you would, a civil war break out. And there was going to be a war, but they decided not to fight, so they just split apart. And we saw ten nations, ten, ten tribes go to the north, and then two parts, Benjamin and Judah, go to the south. And you're watching now where Judah is going to be the the, the nation of Judah to the south, and then it's the nation of Israel to the north. And it goes to his son Rehoboam, Solomon's son Rehoboam, and the guys go, look, man, if you're not going to be as hard on us as, as Solomon was, then we'll stick with you. And Rehoboam says, I'm going to be even harder than my father Solomon. And so they split apart and they rip it up and see what's, you know, to, to separate the, the countries. And that's where we left it last week. Rehoboam was told important to note, by God to split the country apart. Important to note. God sent the prophet. The prophet came up to this guy, Jeroboam, and he ripped up his coat in 12 different pieces and said, you take 10 pieces and then you take two pieces and we're going to split the, the, the nation apart. So God had a plan. And so they split the nation apart. And so if you would, we have Jeroboam, to the north and Rehoboam to the south. Jerry and Ray, if you would. And we're looking now and we're going to look solely at what's going on with Jeroboam. The northern ten tribes as they've just broken off and uh, from, the, from the other parts of Judah. And uh, they're going to encounter a problem. Verse 25 says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and he lived there. So this is going to be his new capital, if he would. And he went out from there and he's going to build another city called Peniel. Peniel to us is a, an important location. 
Peniel was the place that uh, Jacob saw God. Uh, so you're going way back to the patriarchs, and when the patriarchs, um, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, Jacob was born a twin. Uh, if you can remember the story, one of the twins was going to be born Esau, the older, and then Jacob, his younger brother, was holding on to his heel coming out of the womb. And so they called Jacob surplanter or heel catcher. He was always this guy and we see that Jacob was really a dirty, rotten, sneaky thief. He was a, a guy that would trip you up, and his name was called that way because he always surplanted. He always tripped up. And we saw how he started to steal, if you would, the birthright from Esau by tricking him and tricking his father. And the story goes on until his brother then wants to kill him. And so he leaves and he goes and goes back to his mother's father's place and then he has you know these 12 kids and then they're coming back into the land where god says he wants to be but now he has to face his brother esau and he comes to this place uh, by the fords of the river and this wrestler this angel shows up and jacob is a tough guy he's wrestling with this angel all night until finally you know it goes to you say uncle uncle and so they come to this place because jacob wrestled with god and at this point jacob turns around and says give me a blessing so the angel of god turns around and changes his name and says you're no longer going to be dirty sneaky thief you're not going to be the surplanter anymore you're not going to be jacob but i'm going to call you israel and israel means the prince of god it means the the one who, a champion of God is what Israel means. And so hence, Father Israel has his 12 sons, the 12 tribes. And Jacob, Israel at this point, recognizes that he was wrestling with the angel of God. And he says, I've seen God face to face. And he called the place Peniel, meaning I've seen God face to face. And it's at this very spot. So it's an interesting little note. Here, this is where Jacob got transformed from a weasel to a prince of God at Peniel. And so now Jeroboam says, let's rebuild the city. And he's going to build the city up there in Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, and this is very important, he's got a problem and he's going to say, now, hmm, the kingdom will be returned to the house of David. So he just succeeded off a whole mass of people. And he's saying, I'm going to lose these people. I've got a problem. They're going to all want to go back to Rehoboam, back to the south. Because what did Rehoboam have? Rehoboam had Jerusalem. And what did Jerusalem have? It had the temple. And so think of his, you know, Jeroboam's problem. He goes, I've got all these Jews, right? And all the Jews want to go worship God down in Jerusalem. Pretty soon everyone's going to go down there for their holidays and for their festivals and for their three times a year. And, well, they're going to go make up and I'm not going to be in control anymore. And so he says, now his, his thinking is that the kingdom will be returned to the house of David. And listen to what he's saying. Verse 27 is a critical verse. He says, if this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem... Well, then, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And then they'd kill me. 
and, and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So first off, there's fear in his statement because God said to succeed and to move away. And why would he be killed if he's doing God's will? But fear creeps into his life and he's going to be afraid. And he says, well, I'm not going to be able to listen to this control the people if they go down and worship down there in Jerusalem. So this is his idea, verse 28. So the king consulted and he made two golden calves. And he said to them, oh, come on, people. It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Oh, that's so far away now that you live up here. Behold, here's your gods with a little g. Oh, Israel. Hear that term, Israel. That brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, which is kind of towards the border of Judah to the south. And he said the other one he put in Dan, which is way far to the north. So you got two locations, easy convenience just for you, for your shopping. There's one near you. He says, now this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places and he made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month. Here's the words, like the feast which is in Judah. So we're going to have a, a big holiday too. Just when you, you know, you stay up here with the golden calves and celebrate it this holiday that I'm going to create with us instead of going down for the Passover or down for the Feast of Booths. You don't have to do that. You stay right up here and we'll have our own little party. So, uh, just like the feast which is in Judah, and he went up to the altar, and thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made. And he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. And then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day of the, 18th, of the eighth month, even in the month which he had, keywords devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. So he's got his celebration of the things that he created his own little holiday. He wanted to do everything his own way because he was afraid that he was going to lose control of the people. So this becomes an interesting study for us on why idols are created. God says, look, I'm the Lord thy God, you'll... You'll worship me and me alone. And then second one, you'll have no other idols. Don't worship these golden statues. God was always afraid of the second commandment. Don't create this. And, and, and I think God knows the heart of man. And it's an interesting reason on why a false idol is ever created. We create idols so that, other, so that we can, A, control other people. We want to be able to have people come to us. And whenever we go off the beaten path of having a pure religion which worships God and God alone, and we want to fall into a false religion, the key hallmark of any false religion is going to be control. I can remember when I first listened to the radio, Christian radio, I could always say, I can tell a heretic real easy. You just listen to the radio show and you find out how many minutes of the radio show is devoted to their pitch for cash? 
and just you know follow the money trails any simple businessman is going to say follow the money and if their hearts in the money then that's where their god is it's in the money and if their their heart is in the lord they're going to talk about jesus 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 and i want to be around somebody that talks about jesus all the time and not about money 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 and so you're watching this process where where anybody that is going to be what i would deem terrible church a terrible false religion if you're going to see somebody that's into idolatry the number one issue you're going to see is when people want to come in and control you true religion should say you need to be underneath the control of god and god alone most people don't like that it's kind of hard to force you to tithe and then if you're not tithing with all these big chunks of change that i'm extracting out of you i can't build my empire and then therefore my crystal cathedral will not exist unless I can bash the people. I need to control the people. And you have to look at other religious forces and you can see that some of them exert huge control over their sheep. We're going to sit down and take these people and manipulate them because I want them to stay right here. So what do they do? They create some bizarre teaching. Well, you got to do this and this and this just like we do here and unless you're doing it just like this then you're not going to go to heaven because we said this is the truth and we have the only truth here that you must do it our way that's control that's not the lord where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and here you're watching jeroboam he's saying well i don't want to lose my people i'm i got me a good king thing going on here and I don't want to see them go down and worship God or else they won't think of me as king. Man loves to insert himself in the place of God and have all the worship. Isn't that just like Satan who wanted to have everyone worship him? I will be like God. And he wanted to have everyone's attention bow down to worship me instead of worshiping Jehovah, the true God. That's the heart of Satanism, and that's the heart of man. Man loves to say, well, I don't want to just see you be happy in the Lord. I want to see you, you, you know, go through me to get to God. And so hence an idol is built. And hence man has a purpose for creating such a bizarre statue, the golden calf. Same thing as Aaron had. It was the typical thing of, uh, the bull or whatever there was a lot of things of fertility in the golden calf doesn't matter what the reason and all the things that happened in his his ways of religion it comes down to control and whenever you're looking at somebody and 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 saying well that's a nice church you're going to you, you got to find out whether that church that religion that organization is, is enforcing a sense of bondage. They're tying that person down and will not let them go. True religion is freedom. It's liberty. It's, it's trust in saying God loves you. He cares for you. And we should serve him. But yet, here's Jeroboam. You can't let go of these people. And he's starting a false religion. He wants to manipulate the masses. And it's sad because, because this is Peniel. This is where God liberated jacob to become israel and if anything you're going to turn around and now watch it go backwards where now it's going to go from israel back to jacob now who's the heel catcher who's tripping up who jeroboam's tripping up the people of israel 
for forcing them to go back to be a dirt and rotten, sneaky little thief. He's playing games. He's manipulating at the very spot. So this is a sad chapter where you're seeing, wow, God did so much to liberate Israel. And now Israel goes back to being Jacob. And at this point, our heart breaks. And we go, wow. So sad. So sad to see things get tripped up at this point and things are falling apart. It's interesting to note, and it always goes this way with man, that God gives us an inch and we take a mile. God was the one who said, I got to split the country up. Listen to what he's saying. I'm sick of Solomon and the idolatry that Solomon brought into this country with his wives. God wanted to rip apart the country and say, we must exercise a, a punishment because of the sins of Solomon, right? So God says, start over here. He never said, go start a false religion. He never said, go create an idol. And yet man says, well, God wants me to do this. Well, therefore, I'm going to run with it. God must be on my side. Isn't that amazing? Men do that all the time. So the story continues, chapter 13. So now behold, he says, there came a man of God, some prophet, he's going to be an unnamed prophet, just Billy Bob the prophet. It says, now behold, there came a man of God from Judah. So he's from the south and he's going to trek up north. So the south still has the true God. And he says, well, they got some golden calves up there and I'm a man of God and I'm going to go up and tell them a thing or two. So here comes a bizarre story. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah down to the south to Bethel, up to the place where the golden calf was. By the word of the Lord. So God sent him there. While Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. So Jeroboam's just having a party up there saying, Woo, we got this false religion going. We're burning incense. Oh, God, 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 I'm so happy. And so now this prophet comes up and he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord. So the prophet, Billy Bob the prophet, stands up and he's putting it down. He's saying, this is wrong. And he said, quote, Oh, altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David. Josiah. This is going to be some guy 300 years from now. But he's going to say, Josiah by name and on you, he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And human bones shall be burned on you. So this is what he's saying. Prophet walks up and he says, man, you are wrong. You are dead wrong. I'll show you how wrong it is. Your priests you got set up here and all the things that are going on, they're going to be sacrificed on this very altar. And I'll tell you the name of the guy that's going to do it. Josiah is the guy that's going to be king over the Judah to the south and he's going to raise up here and he's going to wipe all this out. So you go. We can read up to 2 Kings chapter 23 and it happens just like that. 300 years later, Josiah comes up and he wipes out all these altars and he burns all the priest's bones on the altars. And so here he is. You're watching these things happen and he makes this radical statement. So uh, verse 3, then he gave a sign the same day. He says, I'm not just mouthing off here saying, 
This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the Lord shall of uh, this altar, sorry, shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be burned out. And it came about when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar. So catch this scene. He's saying, what? You just put down my good little golden calf? And he goes, yeah. And he's got to reach out his hand. Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, seize him. Shut this man up. I don't want to hear any of this garbage, right? But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up. So it became limp. It went crippled. He all of a sudden went, seize him. And he goes, he's like, you know, it's, it's all withdrawn. He's going, oh, what happened to me? It's dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar, check this out, also was split apart and the ashes were poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So here's this prophet. He comes up and he says, man, you guys are in sin. And Jeroboam says, seize him. And all of a sudden he goes, he's freaking out and his hands all withered. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. And the altar blasts apart and ashes are thrown all over the place. You go, it's pretty cool if you're a prophet. You know, you want to see results like this, you know. And uh, yeah, here we go. Hey, you're in sin. The guy's like, ah, can't fight me, man. You're messing with the Lord. And the king answered and he said to the man of God, okay, okay, uncle, uncle, please, please, please entreat the Lord, your God. It's not my God, but your God. I recognize there's the true Lord and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated um, so the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, yeah, all right, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. I recognize you're a true man of God. You just smashed my altar, smashed everything there and you're going to watch that the altar is going to be rebuilt, which is really stupid, Right? How much more can you say that this was a false thing that God had smashed and yet man likes to rebuild these things? But anyway, at this point, he's saying, come home with me, I'll give you your reward. And check this out, verse 8, he says, but the man of God said to the king, no, no way, you are a wicked guy. If you were to give me half your house, half of everything you own, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall um, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So this guy, whoever his name, Billy Bob the prophet, was sent up from the south to go up north. And he says, God told me to come up here, put a curse on you, and to head straight home. Don't eat, don't drink, don't hang out with anybody. I need to go straight home. So thanks, but no thanks. The curses be upon yourself. You got the message. Verse 10. So he went in another way. And he did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Okay, this prophet's bebopping home thinking he just did a great job. In verse 11. Now an old prophet, somebody from the northern side, who was living in Bethel, and obviously he seemed to be comfortable with the golden calves, this old prophet was living in Bethel and his sons came and he told them all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel. 
the words which he had spoken to the king, these also he related to the father. And their father said to them, well, which way did he go? I'd like to go talk to this guy. Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God had came and from Judah and gone. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode away on it. So the old prophet's chasing after this new prophet. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, yeah, I am. Just did my job. Then he said to him, well, come home with me and eat bread. What do you do at this point? And he said, Oh, I cannot return with you, nor uh, go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread, nor drink water uh, there, nor return by going by the way which you came. And he said to him, the old prophet, Hey, I also am a prophet like you. You know, we're all buddies in this. We understand what this is like. And an angel spoke to me. Yeah, that's what it was. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And this is the important part, but he lied to him. So that was a lie. So he went back with him and he ate bread in his house and he drank water, which God told him not to do. But he believed the lie. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. So the old man turns around and says, I got a word from the Lord from you. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, boy, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have you returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place by which he said to you, Eat no bread or drink no water, your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. Well, don't you think that the guy sitting at the table like, thanks, thanks a bunch, you know. You, you, you tell me to come over here to eat. I'm eating at your house. You said the Lord told you. Now all of a sudden, you're going to put a curse on me from the Lord. How dare you, you know. I think I'd be upset. And it came about after he'd eaten bread and, and had uh, drunk that he saddled the donkey for him and the prophet who had, uh, had brought him back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. So the young prophet Billy Bob's now dead. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lives so here's a lion comes up grabs the man who got off his donkey kills him on the spot the donkey's standing there and you're going to find out that the the lion doesn't eat the man he just killed the guy so it's like a supernatural freaky thing because if a lion was going to kill something he would drag it off and want to go eat it and so now you're seeing that this lion's from god and now all of a sudden a lion just as the old prophet prophesied and said you didn't do what you were supposed to do so now you're dead and here this old guy is going to sit here or the young guy is now dead next to his donkey and the lion's just sitting there going and everyone's sitting there looking at it so verse 26 now when the prophet who brought him back from the way heard it he said 
Oh, it's the man of God who disobeyed the commandment of the Lord, that bad guy who listened to my lie. <laughs> Therefore, the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And thus he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and he found his body thrown on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. And the lion had not eaten the body nor torn the donkey. So the prophet took up the body of the man of God. Excuse me, lion, I got to grab this body from you, right? And he laid it on his donkey and brought it back to the, uh, by the way that he came to the city of the old prophet to mourn to, to bury him. And he laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came about after he had buried him that he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones besides his bones. For the thing shall surely come to pass, which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria. And then after this event, Jeroboam did not return from his evil way. But again he made priests of the high places and from among the people. Anyone who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And the event became sin in the house of Jeroboam even to blot it out and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. So they're going to rebuild. It's, Jeroboam is not going to be affected by this. Somehow or another, they're going to take it as a twist and say, sorry about your luck. Maybe you were wrong, even though my hand was withered and you brought it back. And even though you ripped apart it, I'm going to rebuild it. And you're watching a stubbornness, a stubbornness to pursue sin. That's a bizarre story. I guess you can take a couple different things out of it. Uh, the first thing I look at, and you look at the old prophet. Hard to tell whether the old prophet was a true man of God that had to speak a message, or he was a wicked man of God and deliberately lied, which I would have a tendency to believe that this guy is a wicked man of God. And I suppose there's several lessons you need to pull out of this. First one would be, I'm, I'm never ceased to amaze, to be amazed at how low people will go to trip you up. What an astounding thing. If you're the man of God, you're doing your job, and then all of a sudden someone comes up to you and says, the Lord told me, you know what I mean, to tell you something. <clears throat> You'd say, well, maybe this is what it is. And you have to be able to understand that uh, uh, people will use the name of the Lord to trip you up. We're watching the making of a false religion. And false religions, idolatry, worshiping the golden calf, they're sneaky. They're tricky. They'll come at you with everything they can and say, God told me to tell you this. God is using me and they throw the name of God all over the place. And so there's a, a lesson to show us how evil people can be. And you and I need to understand that people can be very, very wicked. And they can sound so very, very good. Another lesson you can learn from this is look at it from 
one said, I got God's stamp of approval on it and I'm using God's name. You and I have to really look at it from his perspective and say there are wicked people out there, but we have an obligation just as this guy should have said, God told me not to eat or drink, and I don't care what you told me, I know what God told me. And if he was smart enough and strong enough to understand that God was working through him, he just ripped an altar apart, he just turned around and crippled a guy and healed a guy, he just spoke the word of the Lord, and therefore at that point he has an obligation to be true, true to the very hearing of the word of God as it was applied to him. And when somebody else comes up to us and says, well, God told me, we, if we're the young true prophet, the good guy, hopefully, we have to be careful no matter what people say that God told me this and God told me that and God did this and God did that. And you don't buy into it. You don't, you don't buy into all the things that, that people tell you at any point in any level false religions there's buckets of them out there and they all go up and espouse god told me god says this we have the only truth that's in front of us we have miracles we have signs and wonders we have this we have that you've got to do things our way or else and then you see the manipulation that comes into it. And at that point, you have to step away from it. And even to understand that there are wicked people out there that will lie to you and trip you up. Pure religion should be free and love and true. You know, we should be set free from our guilt. It should liberate us and draw us closer to God instead of closer to the organization of man. There's a wickedness there. There's an obligation for us not to be caught up, wrapped up, but to listen to the voice of the Lord, to turn around and to, 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 to say, I know what God told me. That teaches you and I to say, to say do, do I know the voice of God? That's the hard part. You have to be able to discern for yourself the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have a very difficult time doing that because there's many voices in our head. You have the voice of Satan, the voice of reason, the voice of logic, the voice of common sense, the voice of God. And all these things are crammed into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives. And then we have to be able to discern that. And what happens is, is that becomes a very difficult task for us to do. So immediately what we want to do is we want to use a crutch. We want to look at someone else. We want to use an example and we want to say, well, what did they say? Well, these people have been around. These people tell me this. And I guess I kind of feel like that sometimes. So I need to be able to rely on that. So we take the shortcut out and then we end up stumbling away. I can't work this any other way than to say, you have to know and discern the voice of the Lord. You have to have a personal relationship with the living God. You have to do the hard work of getting on your hands and your knees getting alone someplace and saying, God, speak to me. God, I need you to whisper in my ear. No, God, shout it from the rooftops so I understand what your word is. And I am convinced that if you ask God with a humble, sincere heart, you will hear the voice of the Lord. Crazy as I am, God will speak to you. And that becomes an art form choosing my words correctly 
an art form to discern the voice of the Lord. You understanding the things that God is speaking to you. And that is a unique, that is a, a, an individual, that is a, a, a personal thing between you and God. But I, I can't fathom that if you humbled yourself and said, Lord, reveal yourself to me, that Satan's going to come up and, 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 and trick you and jump in there and start ripping you to pieces. I can't fathom that if you're sincere, that, that you're not going to know what the truth is. Now, Jeroboam, he knew in his heart that he was doing something wrong. He knew in his heart what the true God was telling him. And he knew in his heart that what he was doing was wrong, and yet he was persistent. Even in the, the signs and the wonders and the smashing of the altar, he still said, so be it. The false prophet still knew in his heart, well, you're a true man of God. I'm an old guy up here putting up with this stuff. And he turned around and hardened his heart. He stubbornly tied his will in to resist the voice of God. So within this story, everyone knows what the true voice of the Lord is. But there are people that are resisting the truth. And then there are people that are yielding to the truth. And then there are people that are stupid about not watching what's going on with the truth. And so the key for you and I is to say, Lord, I want to. I got to know your voice. I got to know your heart. I I need you to speak to me. And 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 God speaks to us. He tells us. He says, "I I I I want want you to do this. I don't want you to do that." He'll come up and he'll knock me. He'll push me. He'll prod me. And then I start to reason. I think, and I try and work my way around it. And then I try and find out if I can find nine out of ten people that would agree with us what I want to hear, and get my ears tickled with itching ears. I'll go and say, "Tell me what I want to hear that I don't have to do what I know that I have to do." And we cop out, chicken out, run from. We want to avoid the the, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Hebrews says, "Do not harden your hearts when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit." And God comes up and he wants to speak to you. He's going to speak something to you. And at that point, you have a choice. You can sit down there and either choose what the Lord's telling you to do or you're going to fight and resist it. Now, if you yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to find out that it's going to be easier for you to discern the voice of the Lord the second time. And if you're faithful the first and the second time, it becomes easier to do it the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time. You're honing in, you're sharpening your skills, you're understanding the art of understanding the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you hear the voice of the Lord, you're obedient to the voice of the Lord, and then you're going to be easier the next time. Works in the reciprocal the other way. God comes up and he tells you, he says, man, you got to do this. I don't particularly want to do that. No, you, you need to apologize to your mother. i got to put that in there. My poor mom doesn't listen to the tape. She listens to the tape on Sunday. She goes, everyone's going to think I'm a jerk the way you keep using me as an example. <laughs> but I love my mother. She's great. But it's a simple illustration to pick on. And so you go, you go I want you to go apologize to your mother. And you go, I don't want to apologize to my mother. You know, uh, and I'm going to go ask my friends and say, well, you know what? If your mother turned around and did this, what would you do? Well, I wouldn't sit down and talk to her ever again. I wouldn't talk to her again. Your mother's wacko for doing something like that. Da, da, da. Well, see, all my friends say that. Well, God's told you to go and, and talk to your mother. Who cares what everyone else says? 
And maybe your mother is trying to pray and say, if my son came and apologized, I'd you know, give my life to you, Lord, and blah, 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 blah. And you got all these things. You have no idea what's, you have no idea what's going on. But if you harden your heart and you, and you resist that, and you say, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to give all my money. I'm going to go help sweep you know, the church on Saturday. And I'm going to be this great guy. And I'm going to do everything. But I'm not going to give in to that mother thing. No, nope, she's a thousand miles away. And I'll just close the door on that. And I'll harden my heart to that. Well, then it's twice as hard for God to come and speak to you about another dumb issue and say, I, 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 need, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And then if you harden your heart again and harden your heart again and harden your heart again, pretty soon you, is what happens is your heart becomes callous. It becomes hard. It becomes tough-skinned, if you would, where God says, I can't get through the wax in your ears because every time I talk to you, you're hardening, you're stiffening, and, and you're, I can't get through to you. And then pretty soon God is screaming with a megaphone. And you are conditioning yourself to ignore that voice. And then you turn around with a cheap cop out and say, well, I don't know if I can really discern the voice of the Lord. I got, I don't know if it's the devil or God. Ha, ha, ha. I've heard people just give me that. You go, well, that's not right. God wants to speak to you. And if your heart is sensitive and if you're obedient, it becomes so much easier. And that to somebody who has yielded their life to the will of the Lord and submitted to these paths, it's not an issue with people to hear the voice of God and says, I know what the Lord's telling me to do. He's telling me to do this. I know what the Lord told me to do here. There's times that even the strongest of believers is in a holding pattern and they're not sure what the future is, but they know the voice of the Lord. And that's where I want to be. And there's other people that you can say, you know, God could hit you over the head with a two by four and you're still not going to get it because it's your stubborn, callous, wicked heart that won't deal with the mother and until that issue is taken care of until the other issues are taken care of until this is taken care of you're not going to have that relationship with God God only gives you one step at a time he's telling you to go here to do this and to do that and then tomorrow will take care of itself and then he'll speak to you again and tell you to go here and to take care of this and to do that and then the next day you get a fresh thing and say Lord where would you have me go what would you have me to do and it becomes a personal relationship that goes day to day in the believer's life so that you can be strong so that you can be vibrant so that every day you wake up and say Lord what do you want me to do I love waking up I have no idea what's going to happen today but it's going to be fun Lord what do you got for me and the Lord said well I got some big things going on let's try this I want you to go to Kroger just go to Kroger okay well, Lord, I don't need anything. Just go to Kroger. Go to Kroger, and there's somebody standing there, and they're crying, and they're in their car, and they're going, I was going to just shoot myself in the head. I got the pistol right here. Thank God you showed up. You're an angel of the Lord. I was going to do this, and now you told me all about Jesus. And wow, well, I would never have done that if I, if I tried to think of why I'd want to go to Kroger, but God, taught, God told me to go to Kroger. And that's the life of a believer. And here you're watching this young prophet who was tricked and deceived and just because someone came up and said, well, the Lord told me. Well, if, if that crosses what the Lord's told you, then you just go, I reject that. And it's another whole mind-bending study. You go, why do people, why do people go to these oppressive religious places? Right? Remember the old Billy Bob comet that was coming down? What was that? Hail Bop. <coughs> and uh, what was it? 
76 people, whatever it was. How many people died when they drank the Kool-Aid and they put on the Nike sneakers and they were all set to get in their beds and waited for to be, you know, if we can kill ourselves now. I, you know, what are you, whacked out of your mind? What kind of person is going to listen to somebody who says, well, I've got the truth over here and the comment's coming and it's, you know, it's time for us to all lay down and put on our Nike sneakers, you know, and we're going to kill ourselves and then we're going to be leaders of a new world. Boy, you're whacked. Who has such control over such an individual to do such a thing? And who would allow themselves to be underneath that? The answer is obvious people that are lazy that don't want to pursue the Lord that don't want to seek after the truth but they'd rather say well if this is what they say I should do I guess why not do what they tell me to do I don't want to look I don't want to search I don't want to find out my answers it's sad the world is full of people that are zombies cookie cutters that are stuck in a mold that won't think and, and, and walk with the Lord themselves 900 people killed themselves down in the French Guiana with Jim Jones or whatever it is. Why do people do that? I can't picture anybody doing that. I, 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 I'm a wacko preacher myself, you know, and I, I wonder why people ever come back to my church. But I go, I listen to some of these preachers preach, and I go, why would anyone sit underneath this I wouldn't finish the sermon. I would be up and headed towards the door five minutes into this guy's message as he's starting to beat the sheep. Our message is, this is where the sheep like to feed. This is where the sheep like to eat. We want to come and give. That's the purpose of what we want to do. And I can listen and say, ooh, this is, this is, this is hard. Ugh. Five minutes, you're going, thank you, but no thanks. I'm out the door. And then I wonder, I go, where are these thousands of people that are listening to this week after? What are they thinking? What are they doing? Why would you go back to this? Why would you wake up on a Sunday morning and go to this oppressive thing? Because they believe the lie. They go, well, it's God. It sounds good. I don't want to think for myself, but if they say this is what's going to make me happy, well, you know, a hundred bucks makes God happy. Have a hundred, have a thousand. Whatever gets my conscience to be quieted when you know that conscience is convicted because God is speaking to you about your mother and you don't want to hear about your mother. But if I give a hundred bucks and you're telling me that that's going to make God happy and that I don't have to think about my mother, uh, take the hundred bucks. Take the thousand. I'll hear it again and again if you tell me that this is what I want to hear. And so it's, a, it's the making of a false religion. It's the making of deception. It's the making of people that should know what's there. And it's tough. It's, it's hard. And you're going to watch Israel be stubborn in this point northern israel they're going to get stubborner and stubborner they're going to be mean wicked and they're turning their backs away from god and it's going to lead to the destruction of the whole nation and that's several hundred years later and i don't know you have about 10 kings to the north to go and then they all get ripped apart bizarre story huh questions comments criticism Dave? Maybe I'll send my mom this tape. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We do praise you that you're an awesome God. I pray, Father, that you would speak to this church. 
to each and every single one of us here, Father. Whether it be through a dream, a vision, whether it be through just uh, you whispering in our ear, whether it's the gentle blowing, Father, of, of the Holy Spirit, Father, that uh, prompts us. I pray, Father, that you would sharpen, clarify that voice to each and every single one of us. I pray, Father, that uh, we would uh, be obedient to that call. And, Father, wherever you're leading us, Father, I pray that we would uh, know that it uh, is to uh, greener pastures. It's to the still waters, Father. It's the gentleness of your touch, Father, that we seek. And wherever you are, Father, is where we want to be. And, Father, if you're not there, there's no sense, Father, of being there. Father, I pray that we would become an Israel, a prince of God, and that we would not become Jacobs that were sneaky, tripping up, deceptive and lying. Father, uh, make us to be your sheep. Help us to uh, feed upon your word and to grow and to mature. I thank you, Father, for everyone here that came, and I pray, Father, that you would just bless them tonight, this week, uh, by speaking to them, Father, and, uh, and helping them to hear your voice. These are the things that we seek for, Father, and we ask in all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless. God bless.